Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Chapter number 10. The Book of Remembrance. Deuteronomy 10 would like to begin reading with verse number 1 here this evening. The Bible says, At that time the Lord said unto me, Hew thee two tables of stone like unto the first. Come up unto me into the mount and make thee an ark of wood and I will write on the tables the words that were in the first tables which thou breakest thou shalt put them in the ark and I made an ark of shittim wood and hewed two tables of stone like unto the first went up into the mount having the two tables in mine hand and he denoting God wrote on the tables according to the first writing The Ten Commandments which the Lord spake unto you in the mount out of the midst of the fire in the day of the assembly. And the Lord God gave them unto me. And I turned myself and came down from the mount and put the tables in the ark which I made. There they be as the Lord commanded me. Moses remembering what God had said and rehearsing it in the ears of Israel prior to going over into the land of promise said that God told me to hew two tables likened to the first and that he would write on them what was there at the first this evening I'd like to minister this like the first like the first let's ask God to help us here tonight if you can pray for your pastor the Lord would help me in delivering this here this evening father I'm asking God for your help here this evening God in this place we have felt you and we feel you Holy Spirit, just saturate this building. God, let your word, Lord, go forth and let it find Jesus a place. God, in the lives of the people, Lord, that occupy these pews tonight, I pray, oh, Lord, today, help me, God. God, just to be a messenger, Lord Jesus, a sharer, if you will, of the word. God, what you have been, Lord Jesus, God, repetitively, Lord, doing in my mind, in my heart, Lord Jesus, let it come to fruition. God, I pray here this evening as you would desire in life. God, I fail to praise you and thank you for it. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray. Hallelujah. And the church say amen. Amen. You may be seated tonight in Jesus' name. Deuteronomy is the book of remembrance. It is 
the book in which Moses are taking the children of Israel to task, kind of a moment in time of reflection and recollection, a renewal, if you will, of what had already been given to them, the covenant, just prior to them entering to their promised land, just kind of the bullet points, going back through what God had done, God had said, God had promised. And it's here as Moses is recounting some of these things for himself and no doubt for the children of Israel of what they experience in their wilderness wanderings. Moses is no doubt here on the verge of dying. It was not long from now that he will go up a mountain. He will not return and that Joshua will be taken his place and will lead the nation of Israel into the land of promise. But before these things will transpire, Moses pauses to remember some important junctures and crossroads in their journey up to this point in time. And on this particular occasion in Deuteronomy 10, he wants the people to keep in mind the second time that he brought the tables of stone down, otherwise known as the Ten Commandments, from the Mount of God. It was the second set because the first set had been broken by Moses, the Bible says, in a moment of anger. His anger that resulted from the actions of the impatience of the nation of Israel as they were involving themselves with all type of base things of serving other gods and eating and drinking and making merry at the base of the Mount of God. Moses, while they are doing that, is on its peak for 40 days and 40 nights, receiving instruction and having sweet communion with God, only to come to the base of the mountain, see that while he was up there communing with the God, they had given themselves over to gods a golden calf if you will eating and dancing and drinking around about it and the, the interesting thing in this matter is this without any prompting from an outside source they decide to do this it's not as though there was the persuasion of the Canaanites or any other adversary that they had, but just coming up within their own minds, they decided what has happened to this Moses. He's been upon the Mount of God for quite some time now. Why don't we make us a god? And they brought their earrings and their gold and their silver that they had taken from Egypt in order to make this golden calf. And they worshiped this calf and they offered sacrifices to this calf. And as I said, they ate and they drank and danced around about this newly created God and so when Moses comes down the mount not only does he physically break uh, these commandments but he physically breaks what the people had already broken spiritually before Moses' feet ever reached the base of the mountain and so it's just a great calamity but to understand these things that he brought down the first time we got to go back a little further because before they were ever written on stone before God ever pinned them down so to speak he verbalized them to the nation of Israel the ten commandments are unlike any other commands that were given by God Amen. In most of the other episodes when God is giving law or God is giving commands, he oft times mediates or he oft times has somebody else that conveys the laws or the commands to his people. The only time that we really see that God gave the command directly to the people is in the, the story of the Ten Commandments when God gave them verbally unto the people. 
No doubt Moses would come down on two different scenarios with the Ten Commandments in his hands that God had written upon those tables of stone. But before that ever happened, before the people ever read them on the stone tablets, they heard them from the mouth of God. And so the setting in which all of this happened, you can read in Exodus chapter number 19, the setting of all this happening was a very reverent one. It was quite a a spectacle. It it was spectacular to say the least. The people of God knew that God was going to come down on a particular day and he was going to visit with them and meet with them. And that prior to that, there were three days of preparation on their part. They're preparing their mind, they're preparing their hearts to receive what God would say and what he would utter from that holy mount. They knew that there were boundaries set about the mount of God that they were not to cross lest they suffer loss of their life, of their livestock and of their children. They knew if they approached too closely to the holiness of God that their lives would be taken from them. And so this was quite a sight to behold. Can you imagine the whole nation of Israel gathering around a mountain waiting to hear a word from God and it wasn't just a mountain though it was a mountain the Bible says it was virtually on fire it was smoking and there was quaking and there were thunderings and there were lightnings and there were the sounds of of a trumpet being blown and all the people are gathered in together and they're waiting to hear what God has to say and as all of this begins to take place some of them that were close began to just take a few steps back the Bible says they stood a little far off and it's in this setting that God verbalized the Ten Commandments unto his people. This wasn't second tier information. This is not something that Moses said that God said. This is something that God was saying to the people and from the lips of God would come the Ten Commandments to the ears of the people from a billowing smoking mountain. Can someone say amen? And so in all of this, there's a demonstration, no doubt, of God's power. There's a demonstration of God's supremacy that is conveyed in this verbal act of sharing the Ten Commandments from the mount. They've never seen this quite on display like they did at this particular time. Never seen quite the Lord's majesty in this effect like this particular time. They're in awe. There's a sense of reverence that's over them. There's a sense of fear that's upon them. And you would think such a moment like that Surely nobody's going to forget. I mean, how can you forget a smoking mountain, flaming mountain, thunderings, lightnings, and trumpets sounding, and God speaking? You would think you would not forget any of that. But just to ensure that they didn't, God had Moses then later come alone by himself in the mount of God where his glory was shining and had been depicted there as fire to receive the tables of stone and laws and the pattern to the tabernacle in the wilderness. Can someone say amen? Amen. Moses, even when he recalled to the people of Israel in Deuteronomy this whole scenario of even receiving not just even the first but the second laws of God, the second in particular, he tells them that what they had heard spoken from the mount of God even so long ago in the midst of that fire. He said, whenever I came down, God had given me those words for you to teach you and to remind us. And so no doubt on that first occasion up on the mount of God, 
God presented to Moses on that mount a visual form of what occurred just a few days earlier. Amen? Because days earlier, a prepared people that had been in three days of preparation, days earlier, a prepared people received a word from God verbally. And the first set of commandments was hewn stone, prepared stone, that had engraved upon them the same words that God had spoken. Someone say amen. So what was done in practice to begin with was duplicated in form now with the first commandments that were given. What happened, I hope you all just follow with me here tonight. What happened then was a marriage of the preparation of the people joined with the commands that God had brought into their lives. And so the, 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 the success of the first copy of the commandments was largely due to this marriage of the work and the word. And joining those two together could be accomplished because the Bible tells us that God was the one that did the work of preparing the stone. And God was the one that did the writing upon the stone. The Bible says in Exodus 32 and 16, just to prove the point, the Bible says, and the tables, the first tables, the tables were the work of God. And the writing was the writing of God, graven upon the tables. So the first tables of stone were, were the work of God, and the writing that was upon the first table of stone was the writing of God. Someone say amen. amen. Now on the second occasion, it's a shame I got to go all the way back to Abraham to bring us to where we need to be. Now on the second occasion, whenever Moses comes down, and he's, or prior even to going up, God tells Moses, he says, you must cut the tables, if you will. The tables must be like the first. So they're going to be like the first. There's not going to be any alteration in the makeup of the tables. It's not going to be any alteration in the form of the tables. It's not going to be any alteration in what's written upon the tables, but they are going to be like the first. But here is the game changer, Moses. They were as they were the first time because I did the work and I did the writing. And there was a marriage of the two because they flowed from one person. I did the writing and I did the work. He said, but on this second occasion, Moses, I want you to do the work. And I'll still do the writing. Moses, I want you to hew. I want you to cut. I want you to chisel. If you will, Moses, I want you to prepare the stone. Make them the width, the height, and the breadth that they were formerly. You do the work, but I'll still do the writing that was upon the first stone. You work them like the first stones, and I'll write upon them like the first stones. The Bible says in Exodus 34 and verse number 1, And the Lord said unto Moses, Hew thee two stones, two tables of stone, like unto the first. And I will write upon these tables the words that were in the first tables, which thou breakest. Amen. 
that the tables of stone were spiritually and literally broken. But God says we got to make them like the first and the writing has to be like they were in the first. In other words, Moses, we still need the marriage of the work and the word to come together. God even seems to emphasize you're going to have these like the first. By the way, you broke them. We're going to have this just like it was. By the way, you're the, you broke them. You was in anger. And all of Israel seemingly broke them as well. As a matter of fact, had you even pondered how much time? Said you cast them down with no regard perhaps to the work that was invested in them, Moses. They're in your hands carrying them down, but you even cast them down with no regard to the word. The finger of God has written upon these tables, and they're just casually disregarded as though there is no importance that's in them. Not only that, the whole nation of Israel that's heard the words, these very words of God, amen, have prepared themselves for three days to hear them. They're down here doing everything under the sun, and they break seemingly all the commands, amen, before they even had a chance to look at them. They've already broken them. And yet they even was in the presence of the fire and the smoke and the billow and had heard them. I want you to follow here. So now Moses is to make the tables. He's to do the work. He's to get the chisel. He's to get the hammer. He's to find a piece of rock. He's to whittle it down to the proper size. The proper proportion, just like it was at first. And God said, then when you do that, you come up to the mount of God, and when you get there, I'll write the words like the first, amen, upon the stones that you have worked out. Someone say amen. amen. Do you ever get tired of the same old concept, the same old message? Do you ever get tired of the same old Bible stories? Preaching from the same Bible. Somebody's not leaning in because you're afraid I'm going to jack slap you. He says, when you bring then what you've worked up, we're going to place on it exactly what was on it before. He says, it's going to be the same thou shalt nots. It's going to be in the same order. They're going to have the same magnitude. They're going to have the same message. We're not changing one iota. It's going to be just like it was at the first. I don't know what to tell you, but this, it doesn't matter how many times they're broken, how many times they're discarded, how many times they're left to the side in shambles. God, it's always going to be just exactly like that was in the first. It's going to be the same writing, the same doctrine, the same message, the same hope, the same. It will be just like it was from the beginning. Someone say amen. The Apostle Paul even said in Philippians 3.1, he was writing to the Philippians, and he said to write, look, look what he says, I love this. He says, to write the same things to you, to me is indeed not grievous. He said, but for you, it is safe. You know what Paul was saying? He said, it doesn't bother me one whip niche that I've written some of this very same thing to you before. He said, it's not grievous for me. I'm not upset for, over it. I, I, I'm not bashful about the idea of mates thinking that, well, maybe he doesn't have anything else to write or say. No, no, no. He said, it's not grievous to me, but it is safe for you. 
going up the second time, getting having tablets and written upon them exactly what was written before. That wasn't grievous to God. He, he didn't feel like he was wasting breath, like, you know what, I already said this and I already wrote it and now I have to write it again. No, 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 because he knew the finality of the matter. It was safe for those who were going to receive it. Someone say amen. And so we have these tables of stone. Moses has hewn them. Moses has cut them. He's prepared the stone like the first. All right? He's prepared the stone like the first. But here is the clincher. In order for them to be like the first, there has to be a marriage of the work and a marriage of the word. And so Moses could prepare the stones. They could be the same thickness, same height, same width. They could be made out of the same material. Look, if you will, even at a distance or even close, almost identical, if you will, to the first stones. But none can write on them except God. None can write upon them except God. What I'm saying is this, if the occasion of all of this coming together and happening uh, from the very beginning of Acts 19 was based upon a three-day preparation for the nation of Israel that would meet together to hear the voice of God speaking the laws of God at the foot of the mountain that happened because they prepared, they worked, and then God spoke. That was the very beginning and crux of it all. And so if there was success in that, if there was success in the first commandments because God did a work and also the writing but it flowed from him because there was a marriage of it flowing from him of there being the work and the word if there was success in that then again if it's going to be like the first there's going to have to be a marriage of the work and the word but Moses although you do the work it's not complete because the only body the person that can work and somehow write on it if I get my word straight is God So we need the work of the man, but we need the writing of God. And these two go together. In order for it to be like the first, they got to go together. The work and the word must come together. Now, so Moses has a completed work here because he ascends the mountain with the tables. There's just nothing on them. The work of Moses was hewn stone. But unless he drew to God, unless he ascended the mount, all he would ever have is the appearance of tables of stone that would be void of any power. He would have tables that looked like the first tables, weighed the same as the first tables, had the same dimensions of the first tables, but would be void of any power like the first tables because all it would be consumed of was the work of man and void of the writing of God. Someone hear me today. But you can't get the word by staying at the base of the mountain. You can't get the word by just having a proclamation about what work you have done and what you have achieved. The only way to get a marriage of the work of man and the writing of God, somebody's got to ascend the hill. Somebody's got to ascend the mountain. Somebody's got to commune with the Holy One. Somebody's got to get in the presence of the one who's going to do the writing.
Someone say amen. And so Moses used them just like the original form. But they're void of any writing. And had he not ascended, they wouldn't have anything on them. And perhaps that's one of the reasons that God then beckoned Moses the second time. That Moses, I want you to come up to where I am. I want you to come up where I am. For that matter, Moses, let's look at it like this. I want you to come up to where you were before. I know I haven't preached a few times on Sunday night. Maybe someone wanted a shout out tonight. But we're going to have a little marriage here of the word and the work. Hey, man, he says, Moses, it's not that I want you to ascend some different hill. I want you to ascend the same hill that you ascended when you got the first copy. And I want you to ascend that hill, and I want you to come to where you were before. And according to the scripture, he was there again for 40 days and 40 nights. And he spent time there. And during the time that he spent there, then whenever he came down the mount, he wasn't having a blank slate. He wasn't just having the work of men, but he also had the writing of God. And whenever he brought what he brought down the mount was a whole lot more powerful than what he took up the mount. What he brought, yes, someone say amen. Because the work of man in essence is empty. The work of man in essence is very meaningless unless God gets involved. The work of man is meaningless. I'm praying in the Holy Ghost, God gets involved before this service is over because it's meaningless. Every key you strike on a keyboard, God bless your heart. He does a wonderful job. Every hit symbol you hit, that's great. God bless him. Every chord on a guitar, God bless it. Every singer, thank God for all the talent and the ability, and that's great. And Moses could have been as talented as a, as a man working with stone to get a couple of tables of stone, but it's all void. It's all empty. It's all meaningless unless we get God involved because there must be a marriage of the word with the word. Oh, yes. Someone say amen. But in order for that to happen, somebody's got to climb the hill. In order for that to happen, somebody's got to spend some time in the presence and the one who has the pen. Johnny come lately, cannot stand anywhere, and tried to deliver the work of man. It will be void and meaningless. But if Johnny come lately can spend some presence in the presence of the Lord, he can take whatever work he's invested and have the writing of God upon it, and it'll be powerful, and there'll be quaking, and there'll be thunderings, and there'll be lightnings, and there will be some type of effectiveness that will take place whenever you have the marriage of the work and the word. But we got to make our work available to God. So Moses, don't climb the mountain. You can have tables of stone with nothing on them. Don't climb the mountain. You can have them all hewn out. But there'll be no power. Because the power comes from the finger of God. The power comes from the word of God. Okay. Okay. I knew I, I struggled for this, so I knew I'd have to struggle through it. God wanted Moses. The direction instruction was this. He said, whenever you come down, you put those second tables of stone in the ark. 
All right? So Moses, you make the ark. And this wasn't so much that Moses made the ark. Bezalel, the Bible tells us, made the ark. But Moses gave direction and dictation to who made the ark. So by virtue of that, he made the ark. You understand? So he was delegated. He said, you, you, you make the ark. And so the ark, as we see in Scripture, even we read concerning the make out of the tabernacle. Very first piece of furniture that was constructed was the ark. And we have all times, and I preached it too. Man, that happened because God had to come down. It started from the, the holies of holies out. God had to come out to us before we could go into him. And that's the reason why they started with the ark. Well, what about if it was just a whole lot more practical than that? What about if the ark had to be made first because the Ten Commandments had to go in the ark? Just being practical. Now listen to me. Listen to me. These tables of stone was also known as the tables of the covenant. You can find it in your Bible. They're also known as the tables of testimony. There is such bearing, such bearing of these tables of stone. They're so vast. Their impact and influence is so vast that even the ark that these tables of stone or tables of testimony were put in was then sometimes called the ark of the covenant or the ark of the testimony. Not only that, Ultimately, when the Ark of the Covenant or Testimony was put into the tabernacle, inside the Ark was the tables of testimony. The tables of testimony then somehow gave influence to the Ark that it was called the Ark of the Testimony. And because the Ark was in the house, it sometimes was called the Tent of Testimony. Someone say amen. And so much so, whenever God's, God's writing. When God's word and man's work gets together, it has the ability to flavor everything that's around it. Because of the ark being in the house of God, it was the tent of testimony. And because the tables were in the ark, it was the ark of the testimony. Because it all began right there with the tables of testimony, which were a marriage of the work of man and the writing of God. Whenever you get it in place, it can flavor everything that is around it. Let me say this. When you get it in place, it will influence even the presence of God and what you feel and experience in the space called the house of God. When things are like the first, there's a rippling effect that's far-reaching and impactful. So consider, if Moses had put his work, blank stones, in the ark, then that ark in the tabernacle, the whole building and presence would have been characterized by empty form that started with the tables of stone. You find a meaningless atmosphere in the church, start searching out his presence. And if you start searching out his presence, it won't take long you can get to the tables of stone. Because if it's empty in the sanctuary, if it's meaningless in the house of God, and it seems like you're just having a time with the Spirit of God, maybe you need to check out the marriage between what you have done and God's Word and see if they have congealed. Someone say amen. 
Bible says though Moses came down from the mount, it's the only way they could get written on if he met with God had, was in the presence of God. He comes down from the mount. There's writings upon what he has done. There's writings upon the work that he has done. And he says, hey, I put them there in the ark, and there they be, he said. He's, he's recalling all this. He said, I don't know if he's Kentucky or not. He said, there they be. I'm sorry. Maybe it's Arkansas. There they be as the Lord commanded me. Someone say amen. In other words, he says, where I placed them is where they have been. Since I placed them there. And that, 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 that ark has, of course, been on journeys from time to time. But whenever we stop, it's in the tent of testimony. It's been there at this point in time in Deuteronomy. It's been there for about 38 years since I placed it there. Someone say amen. But see, something starts to happen through the pages of Scripture. All this has to be as it were. As it was at the first, at the beginning. So much so that Isaiah picks up his pen. Or Ezekiel rather, in Ezekiel 36. He starts talking about how Israel has fell out of communion with God. No, no, no surprise. That they start doing things that would just made God appalled and all these different things and Ezekiel begins to write as he's recounting all the bad and horrid deeds that the children of Israel done but it came to a little spot there and he puts down the pen Ezekiel 36 and 26 and he says though a new heart he said also will I give you and a new spirit will I put within you and he says I'll take away the stony heart out of your flesh and I will give you a heart of flesh and he says I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and ye shall keep my judgments and do them now it looks like God's at work but listen to me God is doing a work in man you can do a work on a piece of stone without it's okay you hearing me an inanimate object God could do a work on all day and it can't raise its voice. It can't reject. It can't kick against the pricks. But what God is doing a work on right here is a man. What God is doing a work on right here is a human being that has a will, that has a decision, that has a choice. So this just isn't simply the work of God, but this is a work of God that is harmonizing with the will of a man. So we don't just have the work of God at work here. We have the work of man by willing and allowing God to do what he's doing. And God says, I'm going to do a work. And the man says, I'm willing. That's okay. That's my contribution. I'll do a work with you. And God says, okay, then let me get my spirit in you. And you can live by my commands and my statutes. What's happening? There's a marriage in the work of a man and the writing of God. say yes see this is the work of God that is subjected to the will of man or if you will the work of the man the New Testament scripture says it like this in 2 Corinthians 3 and 3 he says for as much as ye are manifestly declared to be the epistles of Christ ministered by us written not with ink 
but with the spirit of the living God. Not in tables of stone, but in fleshly tables of the heart. God says, everything I've done of old has been nothing but a foreshadowing and a foretelling of what I'm going to do in the new. And that's in your Bible. He says, and what I'm doing in the new is what I did in the first. What I'm doing in the New Testament is what was done in the first. There's going to be some tables. There's going to be some tables. I'm going to change them from stone to hearts of flesh. There's going to be the work of God. But the permission and the allowance and the preparation will be done by the will of man. And whenever man's work and my writing and word get together... Stand with me, I'll close. See, there's something peculiar. There's something peculiar about this that's different from any other. About the commandments that's different from any other. It's not, again, it didn't come to them second strand. This was God placing something, even in the New Testament, in you. It's from God, and it's to you. And it has the ability, when married with your work, for New Testament, your willingness is your part of the work. That when it's married with your work, it has the ability to season and sway the very presence of God and what you experience in the very place called the house of God where you worship. The human, everybody say the human will. The human will is involved. Oh, that's profound, Brother McGee. No, it really is. When we come here, the human will is involved. When we don't come here, the human will. When we pray before church, the human will. When we don't, the human will. Just wipe that down. Almost feel a little bit of meddling coming on. When you show up at the third Thursday of the month, human will. When we don't, I know there's other things come up sometimes, but when it's not, the human will. Oh, to have a form of godliness and deny the... What's that? That's when you just go solo with what you have, your work, without his word. If he didn't put the indication on there, make it like the first, Moses could have made stones, I guess, that had no writing on them. Everybody could have been satisfied with that. But he said, do it like the first. 
and the first have the marriage of the work and the word together. And that then gives distinction to his presence. And that gives distinction to his house. Moses. Has you ever wanted to play Moses? Here's your time tonight. Moses. If you don't climb the mountain. If you don't have extended communion with God. Just got blank slates, New Testament, blank hearts. If you don't get back to the place where you've been before, if you don't get back to the place where you were before, went the first time he received the word from God God had done the work too now he's going up there can you imagine how silly it looked to be carrying around blank tablets what you got there Moses some stone that looks awful lot like what we used to have yeah know if you're catching every little single thing I'm dropping what do you got there first apostolic church that looks awful familiar to something we used to have well yeah it's void of power unless it's accompanied by his word and it can't get that unless we go visit his presence we bow our heads in this place. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.